Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. My name is Chris Chapman and I am your host. If this is your first time tuning in, then this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover and shaker in their industry and walk through their story of how they have gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we get into today's episode, let me just reiterate my main goal, which is to impact over 1 million people by helping them reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. So if you've not done this already, take the time to subscribe to Next Level Minds on Apple Podcasts. Share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague who you think will really get some value from it. And that'll help me on a daily basis impact 1 million people, which again is my main goal here. Now, on to today's episode, I'm sitting down with Courtney Johnson, the founder of My Soul Mat, which is an eco-friendly yoga mat that's been featured on some very popular news channels and mediums. I'm just really excited that we're sitting down here today because not only is she the founder of My Soul Mat, but she's also a social media expert and is just extremely great in her digital marketing type of work here and she is also just extremely passionate about what she does i can tell just from our first initial phone call together that she just really wants to add value out there in the world and she really cares about what she does so i'm confident that she's going to bring the energy today and i'm also confident that you're going to learn a lot from courtney johnson on her story of how she started her business social media marketing and just overall how to really you know take a risk and go after your passion so once again thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode of next level minds and as we like to say here your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success Courtney, thanks for taking the time to sit down on the Next Level Minds podcast. How's your day going so far? Going good. Just trying to trying to stay healthy and stay safe. Yeah, of course. That's kind of all you can do right now, right? Yeah, it's it's obviously wild here in Texas, but luckily I got a home office now. I'm focused. I'm ready to roll and ready to you know continue the quarantine. Yeah, of course. How so? How is everything in Texas right now? Well, I think we're about to shut down again. Mm. So that's, you know, not fun, but probably for the best. So everyone's just trying to stay safe. Yeah, of course. I, I'm kind of jealous about your home office. I'm sitting here with a fold-out beer pong table I used in college as my work setup. So, <laughs> Well, I moved from a house with roommates to like a two-bedroom and kind of like an up-and-coming area in Austin. So I could get a cheaper apartment so I could build one whole, you know, bedroom out into my office. And it has been the best decision because I just cannot work from my bed or from an old beer table. (laughs) It's hard for me to focus that way. Yeah, for sure. How's that transition just kind of like roommates and now being able to just go on your own there? Oh, it's great. I don't have any distractions, which is awesome. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's been weird just transitioning to working from home, transitioning to working for myself, but all positive. 
Yeah, for sure. I think that's awesome that you're not, you know, sitting there with any distractions anymore. You can just kind of focus <laughs> on your work. I'm ultra focused. For sure. Well, we had a great phone conversation about two and a half weeks ago. Just got to know your story a little bit. You know, the listeners weren't on that conversation. So if you could just take a moment, kind of just introduce yourself and your background, that'd be amazing. Well, I'm Courtney, as y'all know. Um, I actually started my career in sports marketing because I was a professional cheerleader, um, kind of finessed my way into the front office to work in marketing, um, and then took that, graduated from TCU and worked at a few different marketing agencies, you know, advertising agencies, and ended up in sales consulting, doing kind of the personal brand side of things, you know, how people can utilize personal brands, how teams can utilize personal brands um, for sales. And in this time, about a year ago, I completely unrelated was looking for a yoga mat that I, <laughs> I couldn't find a yoga mat that really reflected my personality, reflected, you know, my style. So I decided to start that as my side hustle when I was still in consulting, you know, had this really good full-time job. Um, that ended up really taking off where I was in a place where I could leave my full-time job. Um, but in addition to that, I still love doing social media and that's really what pays the bills since I, you know, reinvest almost everything from my yoga mat company back into the business. So I'm currently also doing um, sales consulting, social media consulting, um, mostly on the personal brand side. Mm. So leveraging personal brands for press, for sales, for new opportunities, partnerships, all that good stuff. So it's been a wild ride to entrepreneurship, but I'm here now and I'm, I couldn't be more thankful. Yeah, absolutely. My, my soul map, by the way, I was, I was doing some research. They look so cool. I mean, it's like eco-friendly and I think it's just such a differentiator, you know? Yeah, I designed them all myself. And let me tell you, I'm not a graphic designer. So that was quite a wild ride. Um, but I just wanted to make something that, you know, reflected me. And I've always been taught if you see a gap in the market, something that doesn't exist, it's your opportunity to fill it. So I figured, you know, this is my obvious opportunity. I can step in and create these yoga mats. Um, and it's just the, the reception that I've gotten from them. is It's crazy. Yeah. So you mentioned, and you said this on the phone too, you kind of saw that gap in the market with the yoga mats. I mean, what was that like of like, okay, here's this idea. Now let's take it to the market. I mean, could you kind of walk through that? Cause that can be difficult. That was the hardest part is just going from, you know, conception to launch. Hmm. Um, I was actually talking about it with my family, just complaining really on how I couldn't <laughs> find a yoga mat and my dad, my brothers, they were all saying, you know, this is that opportunity We've always, you know, you, you have this entrepreneurial spirit. You've always wanted to do something like this. Maybe this is that step. So one thing that I did in the beginning that I think really helped me is I kind of bartered services. So if somebody was an expert in sourcing materials, if somebody was an expert in, you know, um, digital storefronts, I would exchange, you know, maybe an hour of social media, digital media consulting for their help. You know, an hour of their help to me. And that was really helpful to get this off the ground. I just used LinkedIn to start those relationships, but really it was just leveraging relationships that I created off LinkedIn and bartering, um, you know, information and then using Google. Um, we have access to all the world's information at our fingertips. And I swear you can Google anything, find any process, find any partner to work with. And it is right in front of you. Absolutely. I, th I think we live in the day of, of information um, and everything. I, I think that's really cool too, that you spent the time and, and figured out like, okay, 
here's the services that I can offer a lot of social media and digital side of things. And then went ahead and said, okay, like this is the service I need. Here's the service they need. And then you kind of just worked on those partnerships. I think that's really cool. Definitely. I think everybody can leverage something like that, whether you know, you're really good at finance and not so good at marketing or something. You can find someone that will trade services with you. It's easier on, on you. It's easy on them. And that exchange of value is really strong, especially when you're bootstrapping it and you don't have a huge budget. I mean, it is the easiest thing to do rather than, you know, dropping a ton of money on a startup. Yeah. I think you learn so much more too, rather than, you know, just getting, you know, a hundred grand in venture capital and then outsourcing everything. I think you learned so much more just kind of like you did of actually getting your hands dirty, right? You definitely learn to be resourceful. I mean, there is so much that I've learned in the past year that I'm like, oh man, like I, <laughs> I'm not going to do that again. Or I learned my lesson there. You know, I took way too long to do this. I could have done it this way, but I will say trying to understand other people's mistakes and doing similar things was really helpful for me too. Um, you know, the, how I built this podcast, that's a great one. Or just reading stories of entrepreneurship and hearing people talk about the problems that they've come across. They seem to be pretty consistent problems. You can kind of watch out for those at the you know inception of a new company. Yeah. What, where did you learn all the, the social media? I know you and I are both fairly young, but I mean, you're extremely savvy with it. I mean, I've looked at a lot of your content. So like, where did you learn all that? Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, I've always been interested in social media since I was really young. I remember like in elementary school, I would make websites for my class and like have a chat room in it. Cause I thought it was so cool. <laughs> We'd like share pictures of our dogs. Um, I, but when I was growing up, the job didn't exist and social media didn't really take off till I was maybe in high school and college. So I really just had to learn by doing, um, again, so many resources are out there for you. Um, but it was, it was hard because I knew kind of what I wanted to do. I knew I liked, I liked design. I liked communication. I liked writing. I liked multimedia. I liked all of these things, but I didn't really know how they fit. Mm. So when I was graduating from college it was about the time where companies were really starting to take this seriously and they couldn't hire someone with, you know, 15 years of experience in social media for businesses because it had not been around that long. <laughs> they really had to look to, you know, high school students, college students that just had an innate understanding of using it for themselves. And I think that pattern is really happening a lot right now, especially like on TikTok. You mm. know, companies are hiring 16-year-old kids to create TikToks for them because, you know, that's something a 35-year-old with, you know, years and years of marketing experience just doesn't have the innate understanding for like, you know, some teenager somewhere wanting an internship to make TikToks. It's the same thing. So you really just have to learn by doing and learn by, you know, really being in there every day, like testing out um, for yourself and being a user yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that goes back to like utilizing the resources that you have, right? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, there's so many resources, whether that's people, whether that's, you know, podcasts, blogs, like YouTube, everything, um, really getting savvy on your resources and always finding new ways and new channels and new people of learning to learn from. But I think it's also important not to get stuck in like learning from one resource. I was at a company one time that you know, all the social media training was from one resource that was really like five years behind. You really got to be on the forefront of it because social media changes every day. So the best place to learn and the best way to learn is just observing on the platforms every day and seeing what's happening, what's trending, what's new. Yeah. What would you suggest? And you kind of like (laughs) indirectly touched on it a little bit, but 
you know, I'm sure you have a lot of conversations with your network daily. And, and I do as well about people just sharing their business ideas with me. And, and what would you suggest out there to somebody who, you know, maybe has that idea or sees that hole in the market? What are some just initial steps that they can go ahead and take right now? All right. It sounds crazy, but the best thing that I did figure out what, like a general idea of what you want to do. It doesn't have to be anything specific. Maybe you want to start a clothing brand. You want to start, you know, a finance company. You want to do this. You want to do that. Find people in that industry on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Twitter, on any social media platform, start following them, start connecting with them, start engaging, start planting these little seeds. Like think of it as planting seeds for relationships that could blossom in the future. I've, I have people that I've connected on LinkedIn like five years ago and it turns out they're that perfect person that I can go to for help or someone who I've been following on like Twitter or on Instagram for the last 10 years. Like that turns out to be, you know, my most valuable connection this week and starting to plant those seeds and expand your network really young or really just early is super beneficial because you really never know what's going to come out of that. Yeah. When you say planting seeds, is that just messaging of, Hey, I'm working on this with love feedback or uh, would you mind expanding on that a little bit? Yeah. So the planting the seeds can be really anything that can literally be following someone or connecting with them on LinkedIn or engaging with some of their content. Basically you want them to see your name. Um, I, so I have a psychology degree, so I, this gets into the really nitty gritty, but um, the principle of familiarity. So the more that somebody sees my name, the more people see Courtney Johnson, Courtney Johnson, I may see them, you know, three years later at like an event and talk to them. They may not remember me, but they have the familiarity around my face, around my name, whether that's conscious or subconscious, that's going to make them trust me more. It's going to make them feel like they have a stronger connection with me, even if they can't look at me and say, Oh, this is that person's name. So repetition is super important. Like get yourself familiar with this target person you want to talk to. If you're, if you can't get to that level, get yourself familiar with their assistant, with their, you know, intern, with somebody somehow associated to that decision maker. It's going to get you really far. Yeah. That's so cool that you brought that up because literally a day after I um, messaged you to schedule this episode, uh, I get a text from a good friend of mine says, Hey man, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Courtney Johnson on LinkedIn, uh, but you should interview her for your podcast. She has some really good content. And then I was like, wait a second, I just messaged her. So it's just <laughs> repetition right there. I mean, you, you got a popularity. So it's a, it's a small world. It really is, especially with like LinkedIn too. I mean, you're connected with a lot of people as well. It's crazy being able to like be connected with somebody in London, you know, who may be in your industry that you can just message and get some advice from. Definitely. And LinkedIn is just an easy place to do that too. Um, 600 million users. So that's 600 million different opportunities, but only 2% are what they say, like super active, meaning they engage a couple minutes a week and they post one time a week. Wow. So you can just post three times a week, maybe engage for five minutes a day. You're already going to rank in the top one or 2% of all of LinkedIn. And that's going to increase your visibility like tremendously. Yeah. And I was thinking about it too, because I've been trying to dedicate 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the evening to just engaging on LinkedIn. And I've literally learned so much just from like a lot of these content creators. It's crazy. So it's kind of like a win-win, you know? It is. It is a win-win. And what's really cool about it too is, you know, you can wait a couple weeks for commentary to come out on a new feature, a new tool of like, I don't know whether the topic is like Google AdWords or something that's happening in the marketing space or the big business space. 
but people on LinkedIn are posting about it in real time and posting their commentary in real time, not waiting for like their PR team to okay it before it comes out as a white paper in three months. Like you can really see in real time what's going on. And I find that very valuable. Yeah, I totally agree. So I guess big theme here is utilize LinkedIn, right? Utilize LinkedIn. Yeah. And utilize your personal brand too. I mean, Mm. I work with people every day that are just really scared to put themselves out there, whether that be, you know, blogging or creating a social media platform for themselves or posting about their work. They kind of think, you know, who am I to be sharing? But if you have a job, you are an expert. Like you don't decide if you're an expert. The market decides if you're an expert. Um, so you're an expert and every single person in this world has something to share that can teach somebody else. Like at the bare minimum, you're teaching somebody. Like, I think it's really healthy that everyone can learn from each other and get different points of view. And I think that if you hold back, like what you can share with the world, it's really a, it's like a detriment to yourself in the world. Um, so I, I try to do that. And I try to talk about this with my personal branding clients, but also in my yoga mats, I mean, my personal brand has been really influential in um, shaping how the company, the direction of the company, the direction of the branding, and how you know I'm marketing it. Not only through me, but through other influencers as well. Hmm. What would you say out there with people who are kind of scared to start a personal brand? I unfortunately hear some people say that. I mean, what advice do you have there? Yeah, I mean, it's risk versus reward. Hmm. What's the risk? The risk is some random person you went to high school with being like, what are they doing? Who do they think they are? Yeah. The reward, the reward is infinite. The reward is all of these people you could be connecting with, starting relationships with. The reward is you get more leads, you get more sales, you get more business, you improve your career, you learn. And literally the risk, what people are afraid of is random people. They barely know like judging them. Mm. Have you had a situation where you had like extreme judgment at the beginning stages of you building personal brand and now they're like following you, engaging with your stuff and all like that? Or like, I've definitely had those experiences before where people will kind of like laugh at it and then you do something really big and they're like, Hey, remember me? <laughs> Want to be friends? I'm so proud of you. Yeah, they're like, yeah. What? Were you proud of me like six months ago? Um, but no, I kind of just ignore all that and you know, I, I derive my, um, approval from like myself and a very small set of people. And I'm telling you, it can be really scary, you know, thinking about what other people are saying about you, thinking about other people like scoffing at you, whatever, but nobody's ever going to talk shit about you. That's doing better than you. Yeah. Just know that. And then it's, it's then the opinion. It's not really that validated because they're, you know, a few steps below you, you know, you should only listen to people who are where you actually want to be in life. Right. Definitely. Definitely. And it can be, I mean, it can be really scary though. Like I don't discount that it's scary to put yourself out there, but it is, and it's, I think more scary than just taking that leap. It's the first couple of weeks or the first couple of months when you don't know if what you're doing is valuable. But once you start getting, once you start seeing those results, once you start getting you know, good connections, good opportunities. Once you start seeing people, you know, thank you for your your content because it's valuable to them. Like that just makes it all worth it. And that just gives fuel, fuel to the fire so you can keep going. Do, do you remember your first kind of like, I guess, selfie video, quote unquote, that you made about like your personal brand or anything? Or 
I don't remember. I don't remember my first like post I did or yeah. anything. I'm sure. I'm sure it's there sometime. But <laughs> no, I remember all the the first like mean comments though. Mm. That was that was weird. I was like, oh, oh, this means this means I'm doing good. I got my first mean comment. Yeah. Put myself on the back. This is a milestone. <laughs> That's funny. How did you deal with like the initial judgment? I know you're talking about like only really listening to people's opinion. Um, that that's actually where you want to be in life, but that that can be so hard sometimes. So how do you deal with that? Yeah, I actually dealt with this a lot when I was a professional cheerleader and I had my like stint on reality TV during that time. Like being in front of millions of people obviously opens you up to a lot of criticism. Um, so I had to kind of learn how to do it before I even started like building out my personal brand and starting like LinkedIn and all of that and my companies. So, I mean, just, I just try to focus on the positive and I know it sounds so silly, but focus on the positive because you can have, you know, a hundred people telling you you're doing awesome, but you focus on that one person that is like, Oh, I don't like this or you're whatever, you're whatever. And that can be really hard, but look at it objectively and try to take like the emotions out of it. You can even look at it objectively and say, oh, is this, does this person have real feedback? Like maybe they're saying, oh, you did X, Y, Z. I don't like you because X, Y, Z. Like, is there real feedback in there? Just look at it objectively and not emotionally. And not only in what the people are saying, but objectively, objectively in the fact that, oh, I have 99 positive comments and one negative comment. Like, should I give weight to that? Mm, mm, that's such a good point. I love that. And it's, it's cool too that you like started that at an early age and you were able to kind of like transition and grow at each phase of your life. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's a hard thing to learn, but I mean, I think taking emotions out of a lot of negativity can help you see it objectively and overcome the, the craziness. Cause people are, people are really scared of it and it is an emotional thing to, to put yourself out there, but you really just got to overcome that and not dwell on the, the negativity of it. Yeah. And the rewards are so much better than the initial risk, you know? Exactly. It's risk versus reward. Like what's the reward of you reading 99 positive comments? You're going to be happy. Well, what's the risk of you reading <laughs> one negative? You may be sad for like the next hour. So maybe don't do that. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned you majored in psychology and yeah. you're also like, ever since we talked on the phone, I can tell you're just super pumped up and amped about what you're doing, which I think is like extremely hard when you're building a personal brand as well as growing your business. So like what kind of techniques do you have just to keep your mindset and energy so high during all this, you know? Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, I studied um, strategic communications and psychology, which is basically how to communicate and understand people with a little bit of marketing thrown in, which was cool. Um, I try to continuously like learn and read, but as far as my energy, a lot of people say that and I'm always like, really? You think I, you think I have high energy? Um, I just try to be really optimistic, you know? Again, risk first reward. There's not a lot of reward on dwelling on the negative things. Yes, there are some objective hard things that you need to face, but if you spend your day you know, being sad, being upset, it's not going to help you. I always think of like going on a run. I like running, but sometimes it's hard to get my butt out the door. So I just think oh, yeah. like, if you are really upset and you're like, I don't want to run, I don't want to do this, then it's going to be miserable. If you say, oh, I'm excited. Like I can do this. This is going to be a good run. I'm going to be out in nature and my body's going to feel good. Then the run is going to be good. So it's literally a A or B. It's a zero or a one. Like you have two different options and you can choose which options. It's going to be less energy, easier and happier if you choose the option to choose optimism. So 
it's less energy to have more energy. Yeah. That's such a good point. Like you just mentioned, you choose it. I I'm big believer that like you choose your attitude and you choose your optimism. You know, you, you can sit back and let life happen to you, or you can actually take it into your own hands and choose to have a good attitude about it. You know? Definitely. I learned this the hard way in college. I um, failed a statistics class freshman year. Well, a statistics exam. I passed the class, I promise. <laughs> I failed the exam. I went to the professor's office and I was literally in tears like, oh, I, I can't believe I did this. I studied so hard, whatever, bawling. And he was like, Cordy, you can either keep crying or you can go study for the next exam. Like it's your choice. Which one's going to get you to a passing grade? And I was like, yeah mind blown i'm taking that into the rest of my life wow i love that because then it's like okay here's the problem that i'm dealing with what's a solution that i can get to like the goal that i want you know definitely definitely and negativity typically doesn't breed positive solutions yeah it never really does and kind of mentioning like the risk and reward how do you stay motivated is it kind of just looking back at that or yeah i mean staying motivated is definitely um Definitely can be hard sometimes, but I, I think what motivates me is having constant change or new and different exciting things happen all the time. So if something is, if like my motivation kind of gets stale, I'll try to do something really out of the ordinary. Like mm. I'll try to cold call someone that I know like I will never um, get as a partner or I'll try to like you know, get on a podcast or do something else, like do something that breaks up my day. And that definitely helps the motivation. But I think motivation is definitely a struggle for everyone while we're all, you know, isolated in our homes. But the more you can break up your routine and just add more, you know, disturbances, positive disturbances, um, that helps your, that helps motivate me at least. Yeah, I think, that's awesome. I think the definition, what was it, of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting the same result, you know? Definitely. Just do something different. Do something you've never done before. Yeah. I don't care if you're roller skating outside. Like just do something you didn't you've never done before and you'll start to feel motivated. Yes. Yeah, so, and wait, and you said you'll just cold call like a high level partner who you like <laughs> just a low chance of getting business, or how does that work? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's not really about like getting to them. It's just like, I need something that's going to stimulate me. I'm just going to do something scary. So it's just like the phone ringing and I'm like, all right, I got adrenaline now. Like what's the next thing I can do? I love it. So you mentioned you, one of your failures that you had in college was failing the stats exam, (laughs) which I guess in the grand scheme of things at that time was probably a big deal. But now that you're, you know, got your business and everything, it's probably not as heavily weighted. What are some like initial failures or, or recent failures maybe you've had in your business with my soul map? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a big failure we had is we, the last month, we haven't had any sales because we haven't had any product because we sold out a product and didn't think to like reorder in time. We weren't fast enough on that. So we essentially missed a whole month of what could have been really great sales from just not mm-hmm. having inventory, which was a huge problem. So I think I learned in the, um, you know, consumer packaged goods world, things move a lot slower than in like the B2B services world where, you know, B2B services, we can whip up something fast. We can fix a solution fast, not necessarily in consumer packaged goods. So I learned that everything needs to be done early and you really got to have a game plan because, you know, kind of being reactionary and being like, oh, we're starting to sell out this product. Like maybe we should order more when we're sold out. Nah, got to do it ahead of time because that lost us some money being a month out. Yeah. 
So guess what? Big learning lessons on that is just proper planning and preparation, you think? Yeah, proper planning and projection as well. Mm. Um, I think that's something that I I missed out on. Um, but it also like believing in yourself, right? I mean, I I had my initial, you know, thousand units and I was like, oh, I don't like this isn't gonna sell out. I'm gonna have this for a long time. Like starts to sell out. No, like it's it's gonna be fine. Like I'm still gonna have inventory. Inventory is gone. And I'm like, okay, now I need to reorder. I should have taken that risk ahead of time and been like, you know, we're halfway through, like, let's get the next batch. I'm going to take this risk. But instead I was really safe about it, which ended up losing me money. Oh yeah. Well, (laughs) I think like this goes back to the high energy. Like, you know, you're talking about this failure, but it seems like you're super open about it. Like, Oh, I learned this happened. Now next time I'm going to learn and learn and learn. I think that's really cool. Definitely. I want to be really open about what I'm doing right, what I'm doing mm. wrong. Cause I think a lot of times too, especially like I know I look up to a lot of other entrepreneurs and you don't see the behind the scenes. Like you look at them and you're like, Oh, they're probably like, so doing so well, they're so successful. Like they have no problems, but like, there's not a lot of people that are pulling back the curtain and not only showing the highlight reel, but showing them what it takes to get to this point. And I think that's important to have voices that show people what happens along the way and the struggles because entrepreneurship is very hard. Like it's a lot harder than working for somebody else, obviously. But I think that a lot of thought leaders tend to glamorize it rather than saying what it's really about. Mm. So what do you think it's really about? I mean, I think it's about pursuing your own dreams and being in control. That's the thing I love most about you know, starting my yoga mat company, starting to consult on my own for social and digital is I have the power to make my work my own. And the thing that frustrated me the most with other jobs is I had no control over the clients I brought on. If maybe I didn't agree with the company or, you know, the people that I was working with, I didn't really like, or maybe the industry didn't interest me. I didn't have a lot of control over the work. If I had really like crazy off the wall ideas, they were kind of squash. And so I wanted the control to be able to say yes to who I wanted, say no to who I wanted and make the work the best it could be. And same with my yoga mat company. Like I want the control to design them how I want to be and have the customer service be how I want it to be. Um, And so in that way, it's much more rewarding because I feel like my work is better than it has ever been. I feel much more satisfied and proud of my work, but the time is definitely hard. Um, but I, I mean, I really wouldn't change it for the world. I, I don't remember who said it. There's a quote that are, that's like entrepreneurs would rather spend 80 hours working for their, themselves than 40 hours working for someone else. And I cannot agree with that enough. Yeah. I've, I've heard that as well. I love that quote. I heard something too, like one of the shark tank individuals is like, I'd rather, you know, make a hundred dollars a week selling lemonade on the side of the road than working for somebody else again or something random like that. So I, I totally agree. I mean, it really does come down to like your freedom and your happiness and that sounds so like trite but it I don't know it's almost like when you're like when your parents like give give you like I don't know $50 for your birthday or something when you're little versus like you have that lemonade stand and you make the $50 by yourself Mm. and I know like when you're working for a company like you you're fairly paid because you're working for them but just seeing like your work and your income stem from things that you started and you did I mean, just the, the 
the pride that you feel over that is something I've never experienced. It's, it's crazy. It's so much more satisfying than working for someone else, even if you do make less money. Yeah. Plus like you started out from complete scratch too. That's got to feel amazing. Kind of seeing the income come in like that. Right. Definitely. And you, you feel, I don't know, you spend your money differently too. When it's your own that you made it from scratch, you're more like, okay, wait, I need to save more. And you're, I don't know. I feel like I'm more responsible with it. Again, if my parents gave me $50 my birthday, like in high school, I would go spend that immediately. If I made $50, I would save it. And I, I feel the same way now in that I know exactly how this $50 got here and exactly the path that went down. And I feel like it's much more valuable to me because it came from something I created. So I'm being more safe with it. Ah, that's so cool. What, what was that like the first three months, you know, maybe like three to six months of like kind of coming to realize like, holy crap, like this is my own thing now I'm in control. Like how'd that feel? The first three months were scary mm. because the first month of any business, especially consumer packaged goods, it's easy to get off the ground from your friends and family and their friends and family. Like all of the orders, you can recognize almost all of the names. You're like, oh, I know where that person came from, whatever. It's all the same geography. And then there's a, there's a dip. It goes down after that. And then it slowly starts to pick back up over the next like three to six months. And it's, it's kind of scary seeing that. It's scary seeing the orders increase from all these places because you're like, oh my gosh, this thing could actually have legs. And I think the fear of responsibility scares, scares mm. anyone like fear of success really does scare people. So it was definitely scary. And then it kind of got over this even bigger hump, um, about nine or 10 months in, cause that was when, uh, quarantine happened and everyone was working out at home, go to your local Walmart, Target Academy, all workout equipment is sold out. So our sales just spiked. Um, and we had the best months like March and April. Um, we got in some good press. Like it was, it was crazy. And it was a lot of people were like, Oh, like you got this really good article. Like that's how, you know, these took off. You got this, you got that, but it's really like the accumulation of all these little tiny itty bitty things that will get you there. Mm, I love that point about the small things. I think it's this, like you said, the small little things that you do day in and day out compound to greater things. Definitely. Like there's not one big break. Like we've had a lot of really exciting things that have happened. For example, we were featured in a CNN article about the best yoga mats according to experts. Well, the relationship I had, I, I planted the seed for a relationship years ago with someone who worked at a PR firm that, you know, we went to the same college. Well, we, I, you know, I nurtured that relationship. I went to this company and this company. She went to this PR firm and this PR firm. And it just so happened that, her, a story came across her desk at the same time that this was launching and it just happened to match up as I had all of this stuff. She needed a, um, a testimonial from an influencer. Luckily I had, you know, nurtured all these influencers that I worked with and I had good relationships with them that all led up to this article. So it wasn't just CNN calls, Hey, we want to feature you. We've got a big audience. It was all of these little things that like ended up to the right moment and all of these little tiny decisions and little tiny steps. So anytime you see someone like have this big break, it's not a big break. It's little things that are leading up to that. Yeah. And, and wait, so that CNN article that, that they did on uh, my soul mat, that was from like planting the seeds initially and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it, it's not only, yeah, it's not only the PR professional that, you know, hooked me up with it. It was 
all of the influencers that I just happen to have the right amount of influencers to contribute to the article that they needed because I had nurtured those relationships too. And they, you know, we just happened to be close enough where I could call them up at 9 p.m. and be like, I need something by 8 a.m. tomorrow. Please help me. I'll give you another free mat. Like, please. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I love that point too. Like, you know, I think a lot of people look at successful people and say, oh, like you just got lucky or, or, you know, you had your big break. But like to your point, it's like you went out and you actually did the steps to start creating the opportunities for yourself on your own. Yes. Plant the seeds. Plant the seeds. I say it all the time, but I mean, planting the seeds could be as easy as like writing a really good article that you mm. publish. And that's an article that provides value to a client that you can send them three months later in a sales email when they're asking a question and they feel enough value from that, that they're going to come back and want to work with you. And then, you know, you've nurtured that relationship so much with working with them. They want to roll out your services to the whole team. Like it really does start small and all of these small things can lead to much, much bigger things. And once it starts to pick up traction, I mean, it really just snowballs. 150%. I like what you mentioned about, you saw the orders coming in and then you realize like names of people that you knew and family members, you know, like when I first started the podcast, I went to school at Clemson, but I'm from Charleston originally. So my demographics, the listeners was like Clemson, South Carolina, and then like Charleston. But then, you know, after I kept progressing, it's like, you know, Canada, Australia, it's like all over the place now. And it's like, I don't recognize any of these people. I think that, so I'm sure you kind of had the same thing, right? Yes. I actually have a map that I would like scribble out a state whenever I got an order. And it started off with Texas, because that's where he started. Then Arkansas. I'm like, all right, my brother goes to school. He goes to college in Arkansas. Like, that's why. Or Minnesota. I used to live in Minnesota. Or, you know, California. Oh, I have a client in California. No, he ordered it. And then all these other little states like Hawaii. I'm like, I don't know anyone in Hawaii. Who is this? How did they find me? Like, all of these other places. And we're almost everywhere on the map. Almost. I think we're missing Alaska. Um, hopefully, we'll get that soon. Anyone listening from Alaska, you need to buy a map. But um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy to kind of see that, that growth, but um, it really is important for, you know, if you have a friend that's starting a small business, like whatever, to support them at the beginning, because that is like a really important boost. Um, even if you can't support them, like share something on social media, share the link to your podcast, like, you know, tweet about them, like do something to encourage them. That meant the world to me. And I'm sure it meant the world to you as well when you're starting your podcast, Chris. Yeah. And it's so cool just to like, see it kind of unfold and we got to get you the, uh, the customer from Alaska. I was just thinking, about I know, that. I know who's from, who's from Alaska. I don't know. I'll run some targeted ads for the podcast just to Alaska and see what happens. Just to Alaska. I don't know people, I don't think like a lot of yoga studios in Alaska, but I'm sure they do. I'm sure there's one or two or a few. Yeah. It's probably the hot yoga cause it's so cold up there, you know? Ah, uh, yes. The hot yoga. Yeah. Well, Alaska is not in one of the top yoga states, but hey, let's make it happen. Yeah, I love sure. cold weather. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'll go make one myself. <laughs> That's awesome. When we chatted on the phone, you were talking about like family business and and working with like close friends and stuff. Like, do you have any advice there? Because I know a lot of small businesses like utilize family members to help out. Yeah. So actually, my dad and my brothers work for me, which I know is a little crazy. <laughs> Um, but I've, uh, my dad and my brothers all have like very different, um, backgrounds in business. And I've also leveraged my friends a ton. I'm going to a photo shoot after this from one of my best friends from college because, you know, we're trying to like help and barter or whatever, but 
Um, yeah, I mean, working with family has actually been really positive for me. I think it's brought us closer and been, you know, a common goal for us and really like a source of joy and something fun to, to do and to talk about. But um, my best advice would just be like, make sure everyone has their own lanes and know what they own and not too much crossover. Um, and also know when to bring in help when you're not so good at something. Mm. I know I'm not good at finance. I know I'm not good at numbers. I know I'm not good at materials or sourcing or any of that. So I know what I need to outsource. Like solo, a solopreneur, entrepreneur, solopreneur, yeah, yeah. is that what it's called? I mean, you can be a solopreneur, but you're still going to have to outsource some things that you're not good at. And I think that that's, I tried to hold on so tightly to every aspect of the business at first. And then I realized like, okay, I really need to focus on what I'm good at because, you know, why would I be doing finance if someone much better than me can do it? Um, that's just going to be a detriment to the business. So like know where you lift up the business and know where you like weigh it down and be okay to admit that. Yeah. Do you have advice of like when to turn off the business conversations and go back to family? Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think the, I think it's kind of like the work-life balance question right now where work and life are intertwining more than ever before. And I think in my family, the business family balance, it kind of intertwines a lot to where, you know, we're out hanging out. We see like a cool t-shirt or we're shopping. We see a cool blanket. Like that would be a cool pattern. Let's use this for inspiration. Oh, I really like these colors. Or, you know, we'll all be together at dinner and someone will get a notification on our, on their phone that there's a new sale and we'll all get really excited and kind of like cheer at the table. My mom has like a bell in her office that she'll ring. I'm like, mom, what? So getting everyone involved has been, has been really fun. Um, but I think it's, it's very much integrated, just like kind of work and life has been integrated. And I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing, but I think it is the direction that our world and our work and our life is going in. Mm. Mm, yeah, definitely. Just knowing when to like turn it on, when to turn it off and kind of just mixing them both together right there. Yeah, I think it is. An, it's an interesting mix. And there definitely are times where you really need to step away from work and not think about it. But just kind of think about like when you're hanging out with your friends, you probably are like talking about work sometimes, talking about this or that. But if it's something that you're really passionate about, and again, I know this sounds so trite and I didn't believe this, but I didn't believe this until now. But if it's something you're really passionate about, like it doesn't feel like work. And it's not about the money when you're really passionate about it. It's just something you love to do. Yeah. And then kind of the success will follow that passion, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. It really does. Because, you know, if you're passionate about something, you're going to make the decisions that are going to help that. And, you know, you're going to be in a good place. But if you're not passionate about it, I mean, I've been on a lot of jobs where people like a lot of clients that I'm not passionate about. And sometimes you really, ha it's sometimes like it's practicality. You got to muster up the passion. You got to find the one thing in that company, in that job, like, like for your boss or something that, that captivates you because you can find a positive thing in every client you work with, every company you work at. But if there's something that really like consumes you and it's all your passion about all of it, like that's something you need to be pursuing. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I think that goes back to like positivity over negativity at the end of the day, you know? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, again, life is easier when you're positive. So it really is. 
if you if working out is easier when you're happy about working out, just apply that mentality to the rest of your life. Yeah, 100%. So what would be your one word to describe the success that you've had so far? Mm, one word. That's really hard. I know. I always ask this one. So, um, I want to say inconsistent, but it's not necessarily inconsistent. Let me, let me just say inconsistent and explain it. I feel like one in entrepreneurship, starting a business, going out on your own, one day you feel like on top of the world, you're like, this is going to be a multi-million dollar business. This is awesome. The next day you're like, is this even working? Like, <laughs> is it okay? Am I going to be able to pay my rent? Like it really is a quite an up and down. And I think any entrepreneur would say that. But when you look at the, the overall, your growth, it'll be up and down and up and down in an upward trend. So it seems inconsistent at the time, but I've learned not to get caught up in the day-to-day swing of things of really exciting thing happens, bad thing happens, really exciting thing happens. But look at the more upward trajectory of where we're going and over time. You know, you can't necessarily compare today to yesterday, but if you compare today to two months ago, like that's where you see the change. So inconsistent yet consistent. Yeah. That's three words. I broke your rule. Oh, uh, it's fine. So I like that. It's like not riding the highs too much, but at the same time, not riding the, the lows too much, right? Yeah. It's more like over time. Again, back to like the workout mentality, hmm. you know, you're trying to get fit or something. You can't just focus every hour on like your measurements or something. You got to look at it over time. And it's the same with, with business. Um, I mean, just the parallels there have been crazy. I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta look at this long term. You can't just think of one hour things are good, one hour things are bad. If you're doing better than you were a month ago, two months ago, you're in a good place. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Where can people connect with you or, uh, you know, connect with my soul, Matt? All right, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Just type in Courtney Johnson, spelled the normal basic way. You'll find me. Um, on Instagram, we are my soul Matt, M Y S O L Matt, and then M Y S O L Matt.com. Um, you can find all, all of my other social profiles are linked to my Instagram page. That's Cortland Johnson spelled how it sounds. Um, and then, yeah, all of my soul Matt is M Y S O L Matt. Nice. Love it. I'll go ahead and, um, you know, once the episode airs, make sure to put that in the show notes as well, just so everyone can connect with you. Cool. Yeah, of course. Well, Courtney, I really loved having you on the uh, the Next Level Minds podcast. It was a pleasure. You definitely shared a lot of great value and just positive insights. So thanks for coming on. Awesome. Great talking to you. Well, that's it, guys. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode of Next Level Minds. And if you want to pick up a My Soul Mat yoga mat, use code NLM10 at checkout for 10% off your order. If you're into any type of yoga, exercise or just getting fit in general i'm confident that you would benefit from one of these yoga mats so use code nlm10 at checkout other than that be sure to share this episode with a family member friend or colleague and i hope everyone has a great week ahead